Wake up, Jah warriors! Wake up from your sleeping slumber! Welcome, welcome, boys and girls, to another episode of the What's Good Pod. I am one of your hosts, Ash. I am M. And we are coming to you today with our first thoughts and our impressions on the Kanye West trilogy, Genius, by Chike and Kudi, or Kudi and Chike, depending on who your favorite is. Kudi and Chike for me. It'd be fascinating if anyone had a favorite, right? I have, I definitely have a favorite, bro. Really? <laughs> Who's your favorite? Cootie's my favorite. Cootie's like, Cootie's the friend that's that I want. <laughs> but surely that's just because you've fallen into the trap of like um, identifying with the narrator. Yeah, 100%. And I'm not even ashamed of it. I just think I'm definitely, um, what, what, what is that? Um, what's that feature or that theme or that that uh that thing that they say in in film oh yeah the the unreliable narrator right mm-hmm. I mean he's yeah he could be unreliable but no I just I just like him because he just seems like a good friend that I would love to have friend who checks in on me um and Chike was just like the silent type in the background who just oozes creativity and is also an ultimate finesser um, but we believe we. I think I think Chike's gotten out really badly in this. No, Chike, you seem like, like an alright dude. If I was one to pick favorites, I'd pick you. However, oh. I am, as they say, bipartisan or something along those lines. Oh, so. Chike, he was the mixed race Jesus. There was, there's no not liking him. Chike is not the mixed race Jesus. He's the mixed race Jesus. Surely not. That guy's name was like J something or the other. No, J Ivy. He's one of the Jesuses. Yeah, and that was the biracial Jesus because Kanye didn't want. No, J. Ivy is the black one. Chike is the biracial Jesus. J. Ivy is biracial. No, J. Ivy is black. I want to Google this. Okay, you guys, I'm gonna pull. I'm gonna mute myself to Google this. Okay, okay. Because I can't. We'll do. A, we'll do an edit. We'll do an edit, and I'll add this at the end and let you guys know if J. Ivy is black or biracial. Um. Hello, Ash from the future here. Um, we weren't actually referring to Chike. Chike is not the biracial director. We were actually referring to one Danny DNA Sorge, the co-founder of Channel Zero. Apologies to M. Now back to the show. Um, but M, how are you doing? How how did you find the trilogy? How are your feelings about Kanye now? How how are things? Tell me, tell me the things. I can't find Chico on Google, so I just have to trust your word that he's the biracial Jesus. Boom. I mean, if you paid attention, so I think it's part two or something. He said oh, there were so many biracial. Jesus okay, okay, okay. <laughs> we agree to agree with that. Um. So how are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, babe, I am great. Kanye, however, is not doing too well. Let us all join hands with Chi- is it Kudi and Chike in praying. In prayer. Um, that being said, I know some I know some people out there aren't like big Kanye West fans for good reason. And actually, I don't know that we're recording this as fans per se. Mm. Um, definitely, I've had a long-standing interest in Kanye West's music, though. Uh, but like anyone else, I've had my I've had my ups and downs with KOS, but I've always found the inner strength to make lemonade. Um, Period. Beyonce. Period. <laughs> always Beyonce. Um, yeah, no, so uh, we are 
reviewing the doc and i guess firstly what are your what are your initial feelings about this one <sighs> wow um initial feelings if i if i had to describe what this was it was just a little peep <laughs> it was just a little a little insight into a a, a quick we, we kind of glossed through Kanye's life really quickly, but I think it was the, um, it was something that we needed. It felt a little bit, the, the trilogy slash doc slash doc trilogy kind of felt a lot like a reminder to the culture of who Kanye is and the impact that he has on music, art, fashion, ETC, ETC. Um, but yeah, it just felt like the <laughs> life of a troubled man that's how i would put it in a sentence the life of a troubled man um with a bone scenes of a tragedy whoa <laughs> scenes of a tragedy girl that's how you see it uh, i'm telling you the entire time i was watching it i was thinking very much the price for hubris i was thinking very much icarus flying too close to the sun uh, it was just you know those trad those those the just just all the warnings of like pride goeth before a fall was like really ringing off in the mind for me yeah that being said a lot of people obviously uh, i mean looking on social media a lot of people really resonated with cootie's dedication and sort of vision and in spotting kanye west's like burgeoning talent or i don't know like his like burgeoning career right and dedicating six years of his life to follow him mm -hmm. um so there's a lot of people talk about the actual excess exercise of self-belief that one has to have to have made that decision so that's 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 the zeitgeist or i would say around the initial releases so the episode one and two of the trilogy right um i have to say didn't hear didn't see much of the social media response to episode three i suspect that it was such a sober wrap-up to the entire thing that we've all just kind of collectively decided to just push down our feelings right about episode three. Oh yeah um so i guess uh, i think i want to ask you who is the new kanye how would you describe kanye west of today as he's perceived by i guess the wider public and to some degree yourself because i think what the question that this documentary ended with is actually like i miss the old kanye straight from the kanye and mm -hmm. and i want to i want to talk about i guess the existences of the old and the new kanye and if like if if there's such an existence of old and new kanye and if there is what the transition was from old to new kanye mm -hmm. how would you describe the new kanye today's kanye well as you know I don't believe in the fact that there is an old or a new Kanye, but to indulge in this exercise, I would let you know that, or I would describe the new Kanye as a very a, a loud character, a memorable mm -hmm. character. His life is on total display, which is so funny based on what we just saw. I think he is just more open more covert. I think we see his whole, I, we have way too much access to his life right now, um, which completely to me defeats the allure of celebrity because I like, I still like to be surpri surprised by my celebrities. I still like to, yeah, I like to be surprised. I like to be shocked. I don't want to know, but I think this is also a, this comes to 
this is the case because of a, a, a I also like to be surprised by my celebrities and my boyfriends so I don't want to know um, please continue send my girl some food some flowers something you know <laughs> redo her entire wardrobe Kanye Kanye to Kim style <laughs> do it do it do it now um no I think Kanye now yay it's just a very too open for consumption character currently. And um, I don't know if we should be privy, privy to all of this information, but hey, he's still, I think he's still the same version of himself, just dialed up in very different ways. I think he's just more raw, more honest, more unpolished. That's interesting. I would say that Kanye West of today is ultra right in terms of his politics, mm -hmm. sleazier in terms of his relationships to relationship to women. Yeah, okay. He's extremely sleazy in the way that he relates to women. It could almost be defined as controlling and, and um, combative for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think those would be the three things that almost define how I view Kanye. Just kind of in general, impulsive. Like I would say, he's he's his politics are extreme, like far far right. His relationship with women seems like greatly altered. Um, he seems far more combative, and or impulsive. Personally, that's how I would describe the new Kanye West. Mm -hmm. um, you say that you don't think he's changed at all. Uh, so that's that's, and I would I would be inclined to agree. I yeah. would be. I would be. Um, I think he's just the same guy with, he's just the same guy, just more public and with more power. I think there's a level of invincibility that he felt prior to this being shot into the stratosphere in terms of stardom. But with the extra guessing that he gets from the world, Kanye's a genius. Kanye's this, that, and the third. You kind of feel yeah. like the, ha the the world is in the palm of your hands, like you could make it whatever you want it to be for your own gain in a way. Yeah, I, I also, I do think that, here's the thing, I do think that he hasn't necessarily, the fundamentals may not have changed, but I do think that that I completely agree with the crowd that his, the, his, his mother's passing definitely sent him in the wrong direction. <laughs> like, I'm not saying he was a great person to start with, but it sent him very much in the wrong direction unfortunately um, yeah i think that i think where you see a sense of invincibility i almost see as a desire for destruction self-destruction oh wow you know what i mean yeah you know that there's that scene in the concert where he's like performing and, and he's like and he's like everybody's calling me they say yeah yeah come home and i'm and i'm like where the fuck is home or something along those lines or or, or to home to go home to what that's what he says he says go home to what and like i think i completely understand that feeling of like oh actually what is left in the world for me yeah um he lost his anchor I, he lost like it's everything really it, it's not it's not just an anchor it's literally your entire the person who teaches you the abc what's wrong and right like that's that's who creates the world for you who tells you that red is red and blue is blue you know so he's literally lost his entire world, and I I kind of sometimes see him on a, as a, as a person on a mission to self like uh, just like a real like 
self to self destruct. So I think that even sometimes he says all the, a lot of the, the controversial stuff he says. You see that often it's followed by an apology. Quite often it's followed by an apology. Yeah, and it's like someone who actually it's just combative with the entire world, sure, but definitely also in combat with himself. Like, with I really himself. think he's. A, He's, he's on a he's on a mission baby he's on a mission mm-hmm. um so what what aspects then of the old Kanye West do we see I guess can we trace what aspects can we trace that have been quite consistent or have 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 um have lasted the time lasted through time that we see in the new Kanye West from old Kanye West yeah West? yeah we see quite we see quite a few bits I think we see and this is why I was saying I think it's it's still very much the same Kanye because we still we still see elements of what were highlighted in the trilogy in him today. We see the mm-hmm. likes of consistency. There's consistency in the vision that he had for his life and the vision that he had for rap and hip hop. There is consistency in his work ethic and just continuously working hard. Consistency in you know his personality his arrogance still um consistency and experimentation in belief in god in the church in perfection in his love for his mother his stance on politics i swear he's always been a conservative by the way um had the same friends there's still rhyme fest from the beginning to the end he's still friends with common um obviously cootie um yeah the consistency in creative genius and wanting to explore different ways of um bringing creativity to the world so as you say I, I guess we have ultimately concluded that there is there is no new Kanye old Kanye there's just Kanye absolutely completely agree that he was always a conservative by the way he has this real i think we've talked about this before he had, at some point in the documentary he mentions oh n words have have this 40 acres and a mule complex feel like the world owes them sh- owes them shit and he kind of has a real pull pull yourself up by your bootstraps mentality and kind of when you see that you think it's not a stretch that you go from this to slavery is a choice it's really not a massive jump right what what i think why this conservative streak seems to really shock everyone is because he asked George Bush why he didn't care about black people. Yeah, you know? he, he was on one side in, and then he was on the other side. He, he mentioned in Never Let Me Down, um, at, at the tender age of six, she was arrested for the sit-ins as in his mother was arrested for the sit-ins. So everybody just assumed that he was, about, he talked about Alexis. He, he seemed to have like a self-consciousness and, and he presented himself actually, actually he presented himself as, as as a conscious person, right? He aligned himself very much with the Talib Kualis and the most deaf. And so we expected a certain like um, loyal, like allegiance almost to like a liberal black existence of some sort and that's why when he spun around and told us that slavery was a choice we were all absolutely baffled but here's the thing in that documentary he did say to us he said i am the rock and the rockest as in i am rockefeller and i am rockus as in talib kweli mustaf's thing and i think that was again that this gemini thing he's he he prides himself on a certain level of contradiction and i can't i don't i can't 
I can't, I am not placed to make a, I don't believe I have to make a judgment on the, the utility or the morality of it. It kind of is not in my life. And I don't, I don't, I almost question why I would need to make that judgment. But he, he, he always has seen himself in this sort of like light of like conflicting ideologies and like existences and stuff like that. So what do you get? So, and when, if we look at like Rockefeller as like the height of the American dream from, I guess, a black American perspective, and you look at like the like rock as Talib Kweli Amos Def almost as a criticism of the American dream. What do you, like when you cross, when you combine those things, I feel like Kanye is like the natural conclusion of it, right? Someone who's an absolute grifter in a sense and absolutely hustling but then also fancies himself some sort of like um, social revolutionary uh, uh, genius in terms of like ideologies. And it's, we've we've got what, he is who he is. He chose to become like this to some degree within reason. I mean, it's very difficult to pick out, it's very difficult, I think, to speak about Kanye West because obviously we do know about his his diagnosis as, as someone who has bipolar, um, who is bipolar, and so you do try to be con- conscientious and not attribute too much to like being bipolar and like you, you, you I don't I don't want to contribute to any stigmas, and I definitely want to acknowledge his agency as and acknowledge the agency of all people struggling with a variety of mental illnesses. Um, so, but even still, with whilst doing that, it can be sometimes very difficult to extract what is Kanye and what is being bipolar. Yeah, being bipolar, being manic. Who is Kanye? But I, interesting that you you actually landed before I could get to it. I wanted to tie it back to um, to what you said about about his mother and his mother's expectations, basically um, serving as a as a guide for what he should do in life. The expectations that she had on him. And I almost want to open that that up to also his friends. They didn't have expectations, but they they likely had influence in the way that his mother had influence on him. So if you if you surround yourself by a bunch of people who care about black liberation, you will likely also talk about that in your music, right? And the fear. The fear that people had when he said that slavery slavery was a choice, he was like, 400 years, bro, 400 years. (laughs) The fear that people had was because they felt like the Kanye that they knew, the old Kanye, is the fear that the Kanye that they knew wasn't actually the the Kanye who is. And that's scary. (laughs) That's scary for someone who has served as as a pillar to the Black American community, um, a pillar for creativity, a, a a representation of what could be for many Black Americans. Completely. So I was watching this, I happened to be watching the Shout Out FD The Signifier on YouTube. I was watching um, FD The Signifier's new video on Barack Obama and the importance of Black excellence. And in the video, he talks about how um, Obama was particularly important to Black people and Black men because he embodied Blackness and wasn't seen as being deferent to to white people or whiteness 
And it was something that we, like, as a community, we hadn't really seen before. And I think that was very much the same about Kanye West. He was like, very unapologetically black. Like, it's, we, and the thing is, the black people, we've always like loved something like that. Same thing with Muhammad Ali turning around and going, what do I look like fighting in Vietnam when I should be fighting the white man who is keeping me away from my liberties, right? It's, they, there's always been that real appreciation of people who are willing to speak truth to power. And when Kanye West came on the scene, we thought that that was what Kanye West was. And um, what we didn't, we thought he was here to speak truth to power. We didn't realize he just liked to speak and to have power, I guess. Right. But then that, 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 that's really worrying. <laughs> that's really worrying because if, if your intention is just to speak, who's feeding you what to talk about? Or do you, do you have a stance of, of your own? But I had a question on that as well. I think if you don't have a specific identity which crowd do you belong to? They talked about Kanye being a part of the in crowd when he was uh, when he struggled to get into Rockefeller and when he did get into Rockefeller. Was Kanye ever a part of the of the in crowd, or or is he just someone who's very good at maneuvering different spaces? Because you remember when we first when we watched the first episode, I told you, wow, this guy has lived many lives. <laughs> he knows many people, has been in many, many circles. But was that shifting or was that journey within circles a self-serving journey? Or does he find himself with people who mirror the interests that he has or the, um, the things that he likes? It's confusing. Yeah, I mean... I don't think Kanye's shifting is nonsensical, right? So I don't think he is, he's maneuvering or he's meandering. I 100% think he's always been part of the out group. Um, from what I read in his mother's thing, at one point they lived in China and like there would be kids coming up to him asking him to break dance because, you know. I know the struggle. Negro. I know the struggle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as a Negro, they expected him to, you know, do Negro things such as break dancing. And he just had to let learn to fit in because he was there for a year, you know. His mother talks about taking him to like an art group since he was like a child. And she says that him and his god cousin or god sister Alexis were the only two black people in that, that art group. I think Kanye West spent more of his life being on the outside of things than he did on the, in fact, that's where he knows. That's the only place he knows. I, I, I get the sense that the only place he had any sense of belonging was probably around his mother. And I think that he, like I said this, I said this before, I think this is a man ultimately shaped very deeply by a white supremacist, capitalist, patriarchal society. Therefore, everything that we see of him is just emblematic of the society that he's grown up in. So he's so self-conscious, that's why you always see him with at least one of his watches, right? He he cares, his mother actually talks about this, he cared how he looked from like a very early, early age, he wanted to fit in, he he clearly always wanted to be a superstar, like it was like an early desire of his, right? He, and to me, that translates as wanting to be loved, that translates as wanting to be loved, admittedly, you want to be loved on your own terms, but it still sounds like I need and desire, like, so sort of like love, right? Um, what I'm trying to say is that everything that he wants, it's not him just shifting in a like a nonsensical fashion. It's somebody shifting in a world where the only people who deserve, the only people who can, who are lovable because they're the only people who are considered human beings, like really and truly are white people, white men, 
not trying to be controversial, but realistically, it's only for like the last hundred years in law that anybody else other than white men have had status as human beings, as full full human like legal actors. Like the vote right, to, whether it's the right to vote, like the right to have a bank account, like what the right to like what literally almost like in almost apartheid was still legal to the 1990s. So in this environment, Kanye West is looking to be loved. How best can he access humanity? How best can he access love? Right. Fame, proximity to whiteness, wealth. Do you know what I mean? And 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 I think within all of this as well, there's a sort of desire for love from um, a male figure as well, as well as like there's there's a dependency on women and a real desire for approval from a certain male figures. And Jay Z, I think, fills this role really, really well. Yes, for him, it takes on this like weird significance in like Kanye's mythology almost. Um, probably that has a lot to do with the fact that his actual dad wasn't around growing up and stuff. Um, and Jay-Z becomes a sort of idealized masculinity for, for Kanye West of being, because Jay-Z is in the in group. Jay-Z gets the girl, you know? Bro, you are dropping so many gems right now. I can't believe it. I, <laughs> you were talking, I want to push back on the point around, um, white men and replace that with leaders. I think he wanted to be for him to access love, he looked up to leaders and he wanted to become a quote unquote leader. And you don't question your love for a leader. They're, they're, they are unequivocally good because they bring something to the table because they set themselves apart from the, from the crowd. And you have to love them. You have to love a Jay-Z. You have to love, wait, let me finish. You have to love a Jay. You have to love a Walt Disney. You have to love an Elon Musk. You have to love a Michael Jordan. That is the way that I saw that he, that he, he perceived that. Um, so. I, I stand by whiteness because I almost think that the way he, at some point he realizes it's never going to be Jay-Z. Right, because there's a, there's a like a there's a acceptance that that the, everybody keeps mentioning that Jay Z seems to just kind of withhold, just keep just our reach of Kanye West, which I don't think makes Jay Z a villain. I really want to say, and I feel like in his brain, the best way to circumvent that when he realizes he's just never going to achieve that is think, who cuts Jay Z's checks though? Yikes! <laughs> yeah. You know? We can talk about a fascination with leaders, but realistically, the only leaders that are like loved, again, I hate to bring it, bring it all the way back. It's not, what are the leaders that, all the most loved leaders, like if you really think about it on a global stage, we don't, we don't sing the worship, we don't sing the praises of a Sankara or a, uh, of a Lubumba. No, we don't. We don't, right? But, you know, we, we see how quickly um, certain, certain world leaders become beloved. <laughs> Next thing you know, all the babies are all the all the all the, all the babes are swapping out their "I drink wine" T-shirts for a, "Oh my God, isn't such and such world leader such a hardy?" Isn't it? Like, I'm sorry. There's like it's one of the most amazing things to me that I've ever seen. Uh, right. Isn't he so hot? He used to play sports. Uh huh. And you just kind of like, oh, <laughs> so annoying. <laughs> Do you think this was a good doc? Um. So at first, I didn't think it was a good doc. To be honest. Like it felt super empty to me. It, it felt like I was at a festival and there kept being technical issues. <laughs> Why? Because Did of the, the the jump cuts and the the 
the yeah those and there was so much curry and i kept thinking why is this man taking up so much space but then by the end of it i was like kanye west is such an unreliable narrator that you could literally never have had this exclusively focus on him you needed somebody to be a self-insert you needed someone to like fill in the gaps yeah. yeah and so then that was then after a while i had to like let go of my criticism of like Cooley's participation <laughs> I, actually what i asked myself is what are the criteria for a good documentary in my opinion and for me the criteria of a good documentary is that it should be like a recipe book i should be able to see how the cook made the dish mm. from point to point like i should be able to go this is i can see how this dish is was created like I know exactly what that flavor is I feel like I should that's what I should be able to tell you and with the documentary alone I couldn't do that I couldn't comfortably do that like really like dot to dot say this is why or this is how this dish was made however once again given how Kanye West is exactly there was no formula <laughs> there is no then, formula because even now I keep thinking, why has he, why is he okay with releasing this document documentary now? Why wasn't he okay with releasing it when it was initially supposed to be released? It was supposed to be released before when he won the Grammy or around then. Well, he discussed this. Could he, could he explain this? And he, he said in the documentary that he didn't want, Connie didn't want Cootie to release the doc because he wasn't ready for the world to see him yet. He was playing for the cameras. Um, which then I guess contributes to that whole Gemini narrative. He had a, a public facing persona mm -hmm. and he, he had the, you know, the, the private facing persona, who he was, who he was to his friends and everything. And he felt like being so quote unquote vulnerable wouldn't help him get to where he needed to be eventually. So what are we saying now that the private public persona and the private persona are so blended that it's just, it's perfectly fine to now release the documentary? Like what? I can't rationalize what purpose this documentary is supposed to play to Kanye. Does there need to be a purpose attached to it? I, the thing is, clearly he did. He initially wanted this to be released for a reason. So now that he's finally given the green light, is there a reason? I don't know. There might not be. There actually might not be, right? Because like i'm not saying that kanye always does things to with, with an end in mind but it looks like it like actually looking at the documentary it does actually look like he often does something with an end in mind he had he wanted to do a head of a clothing line since way back when and he's done it kanye west is a visionary a i don't know a he's forward thinker forward thinker yeah maybe that's the word we're going for but he like he actually does do things with an end in mind right maybe it's the release of this new Donder album I don't know but it feels like that's too small a thing for him to release an entire documentary about I hope that this documentary is a prelude to a really fascinating and amazing and interesting project but the part of me that's a lot more pessimistic and cynical worries honestly about Kanye West and why he suddenly feels the, the need to tell his story yeah i don't know like like i said I, I couldn't help but get a sense of like like kuri within the documentary seemed terrified by the third by the third installment perpetually worried flying between chicago praying and la every praying every 10 minutes ended the ended the dock in prayer bro prayer like so there's a part of me that's like oh boy come 
this guy Nana is releasing documentary. I wish I was not releasing documentary just as in remember me. Right. And just as in bye-bye. Uh-huh. So I'm a bit I'm a bit terrified, I have to be real with you. Um I don't I think in summary, I don't care if there's an old Kanye or a new Kanye. I don't believe there's a new and old Kanye. This is who he's always been. And I didn't need him to be different. I didn't need there to be an old or new Kanye. I think people sometimes needed to separate that so that they could enjoy his art. They needed him to be perfect, to be the compelling figure. I think they needed him to have like this tragedy that they could relate to, to excuse him. And my thing is, what are you trying to excuse him of? And I've said this before, what are you trying to excuse him for having opinions that you don't agree with? Right. I don't I also don't agree with his opinions. And I think his I think his opinions are absolutely abhorrent, 100 percent. But there are lots of people whose opinions I don't agree with. His opinions, I think, are abhorrent as well. But he's no worse than Brad Pitt to me. Again, he, he manifests all the maladies of having grown up in a white supremacist capitalist society patriarchal capitalist society imperialist also you know he's just a bit more outspoken like brad pitt has a good sense to hide it <laughs> just says that shit out loud which he needs to learn to not um is he good and- at hiding it or is 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 brad pitt good at hiding it or is he or is it just that there are no dire repercussions for his behavior or for his opinions oh absolutely no Brad Pitt keeps his shit quiet because the thing about Kanye West is nobody even be asking him. He'd just be coming on TV or on Twitter unsolicited to tell people what he thinks. I just absolutely unsolicited, sort of unsolicited shit if I've ever seen it. Fucking hell. Just want, every, just want somebody to just grab his phone. Oh gosh, he's, he's so, stop it. Who needs this? And he has a thing. It's a thing in his head as well because even in the documentary, there's a bit where he accidentally tells the interviewer what he pl- where he plans to take music, and then turns around and goes, "Oh shit, I shouldn't have told you that." He struggles with like that that like level of executive control or function or something, and it's just gone worse. It seems as time has gone on. Ultimately, I think that one thing that Kanye West should prompt us to do is to reflect on how certain mental um, mental health issues are dealt with. I was reading, it, made, it led me to reading a little bit into the bi- like just bipolar um, diagnoses and like schizophrenia and stuff and some suggestions around like early detection and early interventions, which aren't carceral, which which is to say not putting people in, in institutionalizing people or tracking them in hospitals. So working with them at home and that kind of stuff. And I, I can't help but wonder what, like, I mean, I, it's difficult for us to know how much intervention he's received and at what point and how early in his life but i can't help but wonder how this could have turned out if i don't know there was more acknowledgement and less hiding of it because he's had to mask the fact that he had this disorder for a long time if there was more openness less stigma around it less shame more early intervention more acceptance of it that way he wouldn't have had to sort of like play one character outside and and a different person inside and like and that is the, the fear that I have of Kanye West. I don't find myself caring too much about the new or old Kanye West, but I'm very, very concerned. Um, I, I pray Kanye West is just becoming, and I, I pray that this story ends. Very much like Kudu, I want to end with a prayer. Um, I, want, I, want, I want to appeal to the good Lord on behalf of our brother Kanye West. <laughs> like, baby. I hope this is a good ending. I don't know. On a on a on a brighter note, <laughs> to finish on a brighter note, how fine is Common? Like Common has just been fine from day one to now. 
Cameron used to be one of my first crushes. Me too. I remember when he came on Girlfriends and he was like, he was talking to Lynn. He was like, she showed me her Lynn spin. <laughs> I remember thinking, I'll show you the Lynn spin, Carmen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Amazing. And But all of them were fine. I've seen Jay-Z in the studio like, yes, B, I Woo! also would. I know. I also would diddy yeah. they were all so good maze 20 wow oh, god in heaven bro. wow there was something There's in something the water. water in america there jamie was something Fox in the water bro go there was home something jamie in Fox. the water something in jamie the water Fox. you know what in heaven. thank you american water